And now, a message from Kate and Kirby. Of the Killer Babes podcast. This is the Killer Babes podcast. I'm Kirby. And I'm Katie. We are the Killer Babes. Tell them what we do, Kirby. We go to places in New England because we are a New England podcast and we find out what's paranormal, what's spooky, what's not paranormal. And we also do true crime. Yes. Anything that we think is interesting in the New England area. And like Kirby said, we go when we can. We report back what we find. It's a great time. If I do say so myself, we usually stop for some brews. Oh, Along with the booze. Very usually. Check us out. We have season one and we are in two episodes of season two. So we have a lot of great stuff for you guys to go listen to. Yes. And check us out on Instagram and Facebook, Killer Babes Podcast, Twitter, Killer Babes Pod, or email us at killerbabespodcast at gmail.com. We've all had the fantasy, whether we admit it or not. When you walk by a jewelry store on the street, your mind can't help but think, could I get away with robbing this place? Does your mind go to the thrill of the heist? Do you pick out a crew, come up with an amazing plan, and then execute it despite every twist and turn fate throws at you? Or perhaps your fantasies turn to what you'll do with your ill-gotten gains, winding up on a warm beach with a dark-skinned lovely at your side? The strange truth is, we never know what successful jewel thieves do with their loot. If you got away with it, would you tell? Whoever stole the Irish crown jewels didn't. Y'all listening to Old Timey Crimey. Crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your hosts, Christy and Scott. It's old timey crimey. I'm Christy. I'm still st- sick. Still sick. Still sick. Still I'm sick. still sick, and still I'm still thick. sleepy. <laughs> why? Wake, why wake am up, I, Scott? Why am I dying? Wake up, Scott! Don't die, Scott. We have to talk about a crime. Uh, hey, I'm awake now. <laughs> crime, crime is what wakes you up. Yay! <laughs> Instead of like an alarm chime, it's just my alarm is just like, and then Ted Bundy. <laughs> Uh, I had a I had a pretty good holiday. Um, nice. So uh, yeah, I got some some lovely gifts from Jackson. He's such a good gift giver, and we had uh, a, a nice nice breakfast. We get uh, special meats from a company called Nueskis. Special meats. Special meats. I mean, we've got um, breakfast meats. Uh, we got uh, corned beef hash, and some bacon and some Canadian bacon. See, whenever you say special meats, I'm picturing like camel. <laughs> no, no, it's nothing. Rattlesnake. Nothing exotic. It's just like very, very high quality. These were actually the breakfast meats of choice for the chef at the White House for like two administrations. Okay. So, uh, yeah, they're really, really good. And so that's like a special treat that we, we give ourselves every couple years at Christmas time. So, yeah, yeah, had a good day. Got a lot of crust. Nice. <laughs> How about nice. you? I did next to nothing. It was fantastic. Isn't that great? It <laughs> is. It is. I, I sat on the couch. I watched an entire season of Letterkenny. Uh, if you're not watching Letterkenny, by God, you should. Stewart's arc this season is fantastic. And by far, the funniest sex scene I have ever seen in any... I'm like showing people I don't know. I'm pulling them up. Look at the sex scene. It's fantastic. It's hilarious. Don't you love this? What do you mean you're calling the police? <laughs> 
and I had tacos for Christmas. Mm. I have started the tradition of the lonely man's Christmas taco. <laughs> I have had a craving for Mexican for months now and have not actually fulfilled it by going to the like the, the Mexican joint. Like we were supposed to go out for Mexican for my little sister's birthday and then she changed her mind and wanted to go somewhere else. We didn't, but in that process of leading up to that week, I was like, oh man, tacos are going to be so good. I'm going to get some chili rellenos. You know, it's going to be great. Have a margarita. And we just haven't gotten around to going for Mexican. So I think I need to do that in the next week or so. And so I can finally just get over that craving because it's driving me crazy. I am, I am printing out, uh, not right now, but soon. I found these dinosaur taco holders. Oh my god, that's adorable! Right? I love it. Like a taco, uh, a triceratoco, <laughs> and it just—it's this little triceratops that holds the taco, and then the Nachosaurus Rex, which is a Stegosaurus, but all the back plates are missing, and you stick the nachos in. Oh my god! And then yeah, so yeah, that is definitely on my to-print list. I think I want to get green filament for them though. Yes, yes, I think yeah. that'll be good. Yeah. yeah, give it that Mexican flair. <laughs> Ole. Ole. <laughs> so another thing that had some green in it, I guess. Uh, d- no. <laughs> no, no. We really should have talked work. about like the Irish Bailey's Irish cream and all the all the times we were drinking. Because everybody's sitting here thinking we're gonna be doing like a Mexican heist from the nineteen thirties. <laughs> I do have Irish cream in my coffee. There we go. So there we go. So I have Irish cream in my coffee. And uh, the Irish crown jewels were stolen uh, on uh, July 6th, 1907 from Dublin Castle. Everybody get ready for some really pretentious titles. (laughs) Some bullshit names for things that could be much more simply named. And honestly, really some confusingly named human beings. Well, right from the get-go, we have a misnomer. The Irish crown jewels are neither Irish nor crown jewels, technically. They're, um, they're not, the crown jewels are used for coronation, hence the crown in crown jewels. These are not that. They were used by the Order of St. Patrick, which was founded in 1783, but they were owned by the British crown. So they're not technically Irish or crown jewels. Um, and, uh, there's actually, there's no crown in here to be found whatsoever. Well, um, then they weren't stolen then because they don't actually exist. Exactly. Good night, everyone. We're done. See done. ya. <laughs> See you next week with another non-crime. <laughs> another non-crime solved. So, uh, yeah, they were stolen from Dublin Castle. Now, Dublin Castle was, uh, was built in 1204 on orders from the King John of England. And uh, it serves as a residence, or served as a residence for the Viceroy of Ireland, who is basically the British monarch's Irish representative. So took care of business in the country. It was actually built on top of an earlier Viking settlement. We have that history stretching way, way back. It's always so fascinating for us because we sit here, you know, we're, we're lucky if a restaurant lasts five years. You know, everything gets replaced in every, like, in the turnover every five years. So. We're going to tear down the convenience store to build the same convenience store. <laughs> exactly. 300 feet away. Yeah. That's happened how many times in our city? Oh, so many times. The, a sheet moves across the street or something. It's ridiculous. Why? I don't know. It's very weird. It's annoying. It's a waste of resources. I think that the sheets on Scalp Avenue has moved it's been in three different locations since I've lived here. Yeah. So weird. So yeah, um they uh there was a fire in 1684 that did heavy damage, but even today you can still see the medieval and even the viking structures in some places. So I kind of want to go here and they have like a fantastic 
fantastic Christmas thing where they have just all kinds of, of different events and, and attractions. And I was looking at it, I was like, can we, can we go there? <laughs> like, is it too, too late to book tickets to Dublin? So some famous visitors to the Dublin castle, Benjamin Franklin, okay. Queen Victoria, of course. I mean, it makes sense that they would be some British monarchs. Charles Dickens. Princess Grace of Monaco, uh, John F. Kennedy, Charles de Gaulle of, you know, airport fame. Of course. Uh, Nelson Mandela and uh, Queen Elizabeth II. Tell Nelson Mandela I want my original timeline back. <laughs> yes, yes, we would appreciate that. And Bram Stoker of Dracula fame worked there. Really? From 1866 to 1878. Just like as a janitor? What was he doing? It doesn't really say. It just says he worked there. Bram Stoker was a janitor. Bram Stoker was a janitor. And uh, he wouldn't go on to write Dracula until 1897, or at least it was published that year. But So yeah, that is my uh, my Dublin castle information. Now these jewels, uh, they would be worth... Uh, Sources very widely. They would be worth about twenty million today, ish, maybe. We know it's hard to say, but um, like I said, there's no actual crown. We have no crown. I was actually, I will have to say, a little disappointed because I love me a crown. I love tiaras. I love crowns. They are just, I, I can look at them all day. There is a website. I think it's just called Crown Jewels or Royal Crown Jewels, something like that. Um, that I just it, seriously, I it, it's such a rabbit hole for me. I could I could just look at and read about them. It's so fascinating. Do you know that some of the crowns and some of the tiaras can actually be broken apart to be used as like brooches and necklaces? What? Yes. They literally fashion them so that they can have multi-purposes. Like you can wear it as a crown or you can take it apart and have it be a brooch and a necklace. That is incredible. And this one, if you fold it down this way and flip this part out, it's Optimus Prime. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you're fascinated by Transformers. I'm fascinated by tiaras that are Transformers. <laughs> this is our bond. This is why we're here. Exactly. So, so yeah, I'll, I'll post the link to that, uh, even though we don't actually have any crowns here. But, yeah, so there's no crown... You have a jeweled star of the Order of St. Patrick, uh, a diamond brooch, and five gold collars. They were um, originally made available for the order by William IV in 1830, and he actually tried to get out of his own coronation. He didn't want a coronation. So, like, he, he, he ditched a lot of the traditional stuff that they would do and did the, the, everything as simply as possible, and that became then the tradition. Like, it basically was, he was the dividing line between the, the big blowouts of old where they would have, you know, jousting and tournaments and all that, you know, medieval stuff. And now it's just, you know, like a celebration and the coronation and, you know, processions and stuff like that. Here's your crown, here's your scepter, and here's a gift certificate to ye old McDonald's for $25. <laughs> yes. Go get yourself some chicken McNuggets. <laughs> so they, uh, they are... 394 stones. Some of them are from Queen Charlotte's jewelry and some from an Order of the Bath badge uh, that was her husband, George III's. There's also uh, in there, along uh, among those stones, a green emerald shamrock, uh, St. Patrick Saltire, which is just an X-shaped cross, uh, made of rubies. And the motto of the order was in pink diamonds. The motto was Quis Seprevit, which is... Latin for who will separate who us? Who will separate us? And in this case, it's who will separate the jewels from their owners. <laughs> now, now, one of the things that I learned here, uh, it was all of these were enclosed with Brazilian diamonds, 
of First Water. Yes, I saw that and I was like, I I love jewels and jewelry and I've never even seen that before. Right, that's that's gem speak for of the highest quality. Yeah. Do you know where that term was first used? I read it, but I have it taken in a lot of information. Oh, in the Bible. No, in Shakespeare. 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 Yeah, yeah. You know, tomato, to- tomato. <laughs> the Bible, Shakespeare. Well, they're both like iconic. They're I like, both- you know, I really am thankful that Shakespeare died for our sins. I've taken entire classes for both of them. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. There, there is uh, in Shakespeare's Pericles. Mm-hmm. The diamonds of a most praised water doth appear to make the world rich twice. So the more water-like, the more the more translucent that a diamond is, the higher the quality. Which is a whole bunch of bullshit. Because they're just rocks. Mm-hmm, yeah. They're pretty rocks. They're pretty rocks. And they're fucking worthless in reality. <laughs> Do you know that a chunk of amethyst is actually much, much, much rarer than a than a diamond? But it's there's a company called De Beers. Yes, yes. And they have mined all these diamonds and have them stored in a way or in a warehouse secretly someplace to falsely increase the value of diamonds. Yeah, yeah. False scarcity, essentially. Exactly. And if all these diamonds are ever released your diamonds are going to be worthless. It's actually more expensive for gravel. Well, I mean, they already kind of are. Like, as soon as you, like, if I tried to, like, pawn my wedding ring, which I never would, but if I tried to, I would get far less for it than was actually paid for. And that even that would have happened the next day after it was purchased. I'm not even talking about the years devaluing it. It's just, they, they on the secondhand market, they just don't have very much value. I cannot wait to get married again. I'm going to save a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Look, dear, an $8,000 ring. Well, they have twelve dollars. <laughs> they have lab-created diamonds now that are just gorgeous. See, I think I think three D print out my diamond. There you that go. That would be awesome. So these pieces of jewelry were used by the Order of Saint Patrick, and now I had to learn a bit about the Order of Saint Patrick because I needed to understand what this was. God, it's, this is just a whole bunch of fucking pomp it's and circumstance. So much bullshit. A bunch of royal jacking each other off. Yeah, really. It's an order of chivalry. So it's basically a society of knights. Membership restricted to men who were both knights and gentlemen. And basically, to be a gentleman, you had to have three generations of noblesse. Basically, any ancestors that actually had a coat of arms on both father's and mother's side. So very restrictive. I only have a coat of arm on my father's side. I know. You're out. Too bad. Too My bad. Coat of, the Mort family coat of arms looks like something out of fucking Harry Potter. <laughs> it's two cross swords on a field of red with a morning star going down the center and a phoenix rising from the ashes. That's awesome. Yeah, but it's like it's looks like it's fucking straight out of Harry Potter and it's this horrible a field of red for blood because mm. my family were fucking executioners. <laughs> Oh, gosh. It's very, uh, very symbolic. Yeah. It really is. And so, uh, really, the only members are Irish dukes, marquesses. I'm never sure how to pronounce that. 
earls, viscounts, and barons, as well as British princes. And basically, it's just a little bonus you get uh, for supporting the the currently installed government. That's all it is. It's just it's just oh oh well, if you support us in this, maybe we'll uh, we'll induct you into the Order of Saint Patrick. Yeah yeah yeah. You can have uh, another uh, useless stupid thing to brag about. I uh, personally wouldn't want to join a club that's run by a bunch of people who are inbred. Yeah, really. Look up the Habsburgs once. Uh, if oh, you want yeah. some, holy. The Habsburg chin is something. Oh my God. These people look like they're catcher's mitt with a face. <laughs> so there were, uh, membership was restricted to 15 until the year 1833 when they increased it to 22. You want to talk false scarcity. There you go. Mm. You know, it's just like diamonds. So uh, their mantles that they, they wore were uh, sky blue satin with the order's star embroidered in silver on the right Aren't we fancy? Yes, and the the very fanciest of all, the fanciest of all this pomp and circumstance and bullshit was the Viceroy. No, sorry. The Viceroy, who was the Grand Master of the Order. So whoever the Viceroy was, you know, the one who lives in the castle or occupies it, he is the Grand Master of the Order, and he was the one who would wear the jewels during uh, ceremonies. I think I think they were only used for induction ceremonies, but I could never really verify that anywhere. I'm getting to the point with this and i got to the point in my research where i kind of went you know what i'm glad these people got the jewels stolen from them yeah yeah no i agree with you on that so the viceroy at this point in time was joseph gordon campbell not levitt that's (laughs) joseph gordon campbell that's a guy you can trust the earl of aberdeen god damn it i don't trust him anymore and uh, we need to take a pause for me to list some Irish bars near okay. the location of okay. this theft. The Queen of Tarts. Ooh. It's more like a cafe restaurant, but I love that name. That is beautiful. Uh, there might, it might even be a chain. I'm not sure. The Library Bar. Ooh. I know. I like that. I want to go there. The Harry Lemon. <laughs> well, the queen, wanna... of, the queen of Tarts has a Harry Lemon. <laughs> I want to know what their signature drink is. Uh, the Bull and Castle. And uh, the Lord Edward. So uh, those are our, I, I love anytime we go over to, uh, you know, England and Ireland and places like that. I love naming uh, pubs and bars and such because they just, the, the Harry Lemon. I want to go drink at the Harry Lemon. I want to go drink at the library bar, you know. I want to go eat at Queen of Tarts. I, I'm going to be in Dublin. Like, I, I must. From now on, anytime that a girl is unshaven, I'm going to call it the Harry Lemon. <laughs> From now oh, on. No. Uh, she had oh. a hairy lemon. <laughs> so the event itself. All right. The jewels were kept in Bedford Tower at Dublin Castle in the Office of Arms, which was in charge of genealogy, heraldry, and taking care of the state regalia. Did a uh, just, just crack job at that last one. That's fantastic. Well, you know, the genealogy is quite simple with these people. It just yeah. it goes around in a circle. <laughs> just... Your family tree doesn't branch. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and uh, they were... Fucking heads the size of an apple. The <laughs> the Ulster King of Arms uh, would be the head of this office, and he at this time was Sir Arthur Vickers. We're going to learn a lot about him and probably come to just, just detest him. So um, they're also... Uh, they, they, they kept these in the strong room, which also held the Sword of State, 
Yeah, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maces and some of uh, Arthur Vickers' manuscript collection. So he's storing some of his own stuff there. And the and then the the water of secrets. Yeah. <laughs> and the fire of purity. <laughs> Um, and so the sword of state, I had to look this up because I was curious. It basically represents the sovereign when he or she is not able to be physical, physically present. So wait, they just prop a sword up in a chair? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And how do you vote? Interesting. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't see that coming. I did. I expected differently from you, but yes. okay. All right. Sure. It is a sharp one. But I'm done. Oh, goodness. So, um, yeah, good old uh, Arthur Vickers. His staff um, plus a 24-hour outdoor police and soldier patrol would be basically on duty for the jewel room. Plus the Dublin Metropolitan Police and its detective staff had headquarters in the castle. So this place was crawling with various types of law enforcement and authorities. The Times reported that, quote, there is no spot in Dublin or possibly in the UK which is at all hours of the 24 more constantly and systematically occupied by soldiers and policemen. And yet. Well, here's the thing. Vickers was Irish. So I don't mean to disparage any any people at all. But let's just say the Irish have a reputation. They certainly do. Yes, you're correct about that. And Vickers was... Really, really keen on keeping that 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 reputation intact. Yeah, he uh, he was probably not the best person to entrust with the two keys to the safe. There were two keys, and both of them were in his power. One he kept on him, the other he kept locked in a drawer at his home. But there were lots of stories of him losing the keys mm-hmm. as recently as May of oh, that year. Oh, not only that. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, there's more. I know. Oh, yeah. He gets drunk one night, and he wakes up, and he's fucking wearing the jewels. Yeah, because he got drunk, and he gave the keys to his friends, and they were like, I know what we're doing now. It's, it's like the noble equivalent of uh, drawing a sharpie dick on somebody's yeah. forehead but it's so much it's so much fancier and shinier what the oh my god who put the royal pantaloons in the freezer even better the viceroy's son once allegedly stole the jewels while vickers was passed out drunk and then mailed them back as a prank <laughs> like imagine getting that in the mail and i believe they didn't say one way or the other in my sources but i believe he he didn't even know that they were missing when he received them in the mail well, they're, they're kind of like stored in the safe so why would you you know if the safe is locked you know they're safe in there if, if, if was, they're safe that the it's uh, the the actual object is called a safe well here's the thing the safe was built in 1903, so only four years before. But they built it, and then they couldn't get it through the door to the strong room, which, safe, strong room, both very good things. Let's double up on the security. But no, instead, they were kept in Vickers' office. So you not only had his two keys, but the office staff itself had seven keys altogether to the door. Um, and yeah, he was also known to show off the regalia to impress visitors. So Visitors with hairy lemons? Perhaps, perhaps. They had last been worn in March 1907, and they were last seen in June 1907. So we come to July. Now, first we have July 3rd. 
the cleaning woman, Mrs. Farrell, she finds the entrance unlocked, but no one bothers to say anything to Vickers about it, or he doesn't say anything about it. I don't know. It was probably just standard thing. Oh, it's fucking unlocked oh, yeah. again. Vickers got trashed. I'm probably going to find him with like, jewels and a Sharpie deck on his forehead. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know there's going to be a puddle of vomit or piss or something whenever I open up this door. And she's the cleaning woman, so mm-hmm. of course she has to deal with it. So, and then July 6th, 1907... She, Mrs. Farrell, again, finds the outer door to the safe room wide open. The inner door is locked, and the keys are still in the lock. So that's kind of strange. But yet, we have no concern for Vickers. He does not He does not really bother it by any of this. That afternoon, see, I, dead, Knights would have these callers, and I already mentioned there were five callers. Um, and it's basically like when you think of, uh, you know, a, a king in his, his full coronation regalia, it's like a wide set necklace. Like, yeah. the, the, it falls on from the shoulders more down to the, like, the center of the abdomen, I guess. So if you ever go to Ross or TJ Maxx, and you see those fancy disco belts that are like like a bunch of gold medallions interlaced. and Yeah, it's essentially that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so there was a knight that had died, and he goes to put the collar in the safe, and he finds it all cleaned out of all of that stuff and also his mother's jewelry. Oh, no. <laughs> Insult to injury. Which, which is the one that worries you the worst? Am I going to have to tell the king or am I going to have to tell mom? <laughs> yeah, right? They're both like horrible to have to deal with. Oh, my God. Both my mom and the king are going to be so disappointed <laughs> in me. <laughs> And, uh, but they actually, the thieves or thieves or thief, we don't know, left the ribbon and the clasp of the badge behind. So that could either mean they intended to bring them back or that they just eh, weren't really in a hurry because we can just take the ribbon and the clasp off. Or maybe they were already separated from the badge. We have no way of knowing. I like to think like Vickers got blackout drunk and one of his friends dared him to eat it. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, Irish International Exhibition was set to occur in just a few days, and they were going to bring Bernard Fitzpatrick, Second Baron Castletown. Jesus fuck. I know, into the order, and in order to induct him, they needed the jewels. And guess who was on his way for the Irish International Exhibition? Oh, King Edward Seventh and Queen Alexandra. And the king is... He's so pissed. He's like, I'm not only disappointed in you, I am also very angry. What do you mean, your mother? Oh, shit, your mom's (laughs) gone? Oh, God, no, I'm not going to go talk to your mom. So he... uh... He actually has the... The king cancels the ceremony. I mean, I guess they can't do it without the jewels. And... Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like batteries in the remote. It's not going to work without the jewels. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Jesus. It's all very symbolic and stupid anyhow, so. Look, here's here's a piece of gum and a fucking toothpick. This episode of Old Timey Crimey is sponsored by Lashbinder. The world's quickest, easiest, and safest tool to apply strip lashes is here. It was created by celebrity makeup artist Cassandra McClure after hundreds of her clients complained of the same problem. So she developed a tool that is easy enough for five-year-olds. Lashbinder is a discreet applicator that will have your lashes on in under a minute. It's designed with a soft silicon tip and a firm grip so that you can measure the lashes to fit your lash line before applying glue, and it can dry the lashes hands-free. You only need one lash binder because it comes with a lifetime warranty. Ready for the best part? 
For each tool you invest in, LashBinder donates one to a cancer patient that has lost her lashes to chemotherapy. Anybody who has ever fought cancer or helped a loved one fight cancer knows how important it is, the self-confidence. That self-confidence, it's a huge boost. Use our code, OldTimeyCrimey, for $5 off your first order at LashBinder.com and get your lash on and help someone fighting an immense fight get their lash on as well. That's code OLDTIMEYCRIMEY at LashBinder.com. So this is investigated by the Dublin Metropolitan Police, and they find that the safe was not forced open, and a locksmith like takes a look at it and he says no duplicate key use. So that idea, the idea was passed around that maybe somebody had copied the key. No, it had to be one of those two originals. You have Detective Chief Inspector John Kane of Scotland Yard. He comes in on July 12th, makes a report, supposedly names the thief, but the Royal Irish Constabulary blocks the report from being released. Which means it's somebody they don't want to get in trouble. Exactly, yes. They're trying to avoid some sort of scandal here. Which honestly, in my mind, throws Vickers and his son right the fuck out the window. Quite honestly. Because they seem like the most obvious. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like, what would you do? It's like, fuck it, Vickers did it. Where where's the where's the harm in going? This is the guy who did it. Fuck him. Yeah, yeah. So there were some stories that came about as a result of this, and we're going to get into this. But uh, just before we get into the the actual like suspects and and all that, um, the there were aside from the investigation, you had psychics, of course. Of course. They had visions those, of the jewels, and then so they would send people to go dig in graveyards, and nothing was ever those found. Those loony bastards. Fuck them. Then you had Arthur Conan Doyle, author of Sherlock Holmes. I'm okay with Artie. He was a distant cousin of Vickers, actually. And he even said, hey, I'll help. You know, I mean, I've got the, the mind for mm-hmm. it. So, And uh, there was a, a thousand-pound reward. That's $134 in today's U.S. dollars. Do you know who Sherlock Holmes is based off of? We've talked about this before, haven't we? I don't believe so. Who? Arthur Conan Doyle's doctor. Oh, okay. All right. Dr. Arthur Bell. I think we might have talked about this a long time ago, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Conan Doyle had a, a doctor named Arthur Bell. And whenever you would sit down in Arthur Bell's office... You just walked in and sat down. You didn't sign in or anything, and he'd call you in by your occupation. He'd he'd walk out, look at you, and go, send in the cobbler. Hmm. And and then Arthur Conan Doyle went to Dr. Bell and said, how are you doing this? And it was all deduction. He said, cobblers have the, the interesting uh, thing of the inside of their pant leg wears from working on the shoes you know having the shoes in between and holding it so anytime that i see the pants worn on the inside in the in this particular spot i know they're a cobbler i know that a woman is either being as either uh in the beginning stages of pregnancy or suffering from kidney stones if I look down and her shoelaces are tied a certain way. Hmm. And if, if you're in the first month of pregnancy, your shoelaces start to go from center off to the side. Huh. 
And it was just this whole thing wow. of he would just go in and like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is fascinated by this and create Sherlock Holmes based on his friend, Dr. Arthur Bell. That's so cool. Yeah. I love it. Very smart doctor. Indeed. So, yeah, and then, then they offered a big reward that was offered by Scotland Yard. Nobody ever uh, took them up on that as far as I'm aware. So shall we get into the suspects? I would like that. All right, well, should we start with Vickers? Let's start with Vickers. Yeah, get him, get him out there. Um, of course, we know he had the keys, but he vehemently denied any sort of involvement and uh, was still fired from the position eventually. At first, he refused to resign. And then there was also, there was a viceregal commission being held in January 1908. Why do we have to have the bullshit? Viceregal commission! Well, Vickers wanted a royal commission because a royal commission could issue subpoenas. See, a royal commission... I'm okay with that. Royal Commission. What the fuck's a viceregal? Yeah, I know. I think it has to do with the, the viceroy, I would imagine. So it's it's a, like a lower, slightly lower authority. because you know. So, so the viceroy is holding this, but if it was a royal commission, it would be the king holding the commission, and therefore they could issue subpoenas. I don't know. It's, it is a silly name, and I was like, do I have to say that? I guess I have to say that. Mm. So um, the this commission criticized Vickers very, very heavily, um, and we'll get into some other findings of the commission. So he was forced to resign, along with all of his staff, and they even sold off his his whole private library at Sotheby's for six hundred and twenty one pounds, which is eighty one thousand dollars today. That puts a little dent in the twenty million. <laughs> he was really irritated by that, um, and uh, in November nineteen twelve, so you know things and stories were still going around about this five years later, the London Mail published a story that said Vickers let his supposed mistress get the key and she ran off to Paris with the loot. Vickers sued them for libel and the paper was like, all right, yeah, we made it up. The, the mistress doesn't even exist. And he got 5,000 uh, pounds, um, not reward, but uh, you know they, they awarded him 5,000 pounds in response. By far, my favorite thing, taking notes this time around this week, mm -hmm. was being able to make that little pound sign with the L. <laughs> yeah, the pound sign <laughs> was is fun. fun. Yeah, that's the, that's the downside of doing it, uh, typing. Whee! <laughs> but I, I, I will either write just L and then the number or 5,000 LBS, like pounds. <laughs> so it's too lazy to go to the character map. So he then... Uh, eventually died in 1921, the Irish Republican Army killed him at Kilmorna House uh, for being a royal infor informer and burned down the house. He was... We're going to come into several deaths that seem like they happened not too long after the theft, and it's of people who were suspects, and it's kind of suspicious, but he was 59. Yeah. And it was a, a, a time of turbulence uh, in the area, so... Uh, and also, he was a royal informer, so that didn't help. Now, I do want everybody to keep Kilmorna House in the back of your mind. We're going to come back to that at the end, and it's going to be interesting. Yes. So after Vickers dies, he leaves nothing to his half-brother, Pierce Charles de Lacey O'Mahony. I know, right? Jesus! <laughs> uh, his half-bro promised to recompense Vickers for the loss of his incomes due to the resignation. He did not. And that strikes me as very strange. Why would you promise that you would pay somebody back for their lost wages unless you were somehow involved or someone you were related to was somehow involved in the reason for those wages being lost? Do you get me? Yeah, I yeah, get It's you. very suspicious and putting it in the will makes it all the more, I think, scandalous and attention-grabbing. If he just, like, written to the, a letter to the editor or whatever, I don't think it would be as nearly as talked about. 
and, but when it's in the will, oh, oh, you know that they're turning their pinkies up and talking mm-hmm. about that over tea. Vickers called his brother a slack cunt. <laughs> <laughs> did he really? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I like to think he did right in the will. I leave that slack cunt nothing. <laughs> My mother listens to this. Um, so, uh, yeah, so there was that. Uh, and that was the father. The half-brother was the father of Vicar's assistant and nephew, Pierce O'Mahony. But there was really no real evidence to point to him other than that thing in the will. And he died in 1914 in an accidental shooting. So, again, we have this kind of trend. Accidental. And I couldn't find his, uh, his yeah, accidental. I couldn't find his actual, like, birth year. Everything was about his father. So um, I couldn't really figure out how old he was when that happened. Then we have Shackleton. 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 Sounds like a private eye. Shackleton. Shackleton. P-I. You're out of control. So he is basically an assistant or second-in-command to Vickers, the brother, if this name sounds familiar, of explorer Ernest Shackleton. Explorer of Antarctica. Yes, yes. I love Antarctica. Yeah. I. It seems like it would be too cold for you. <laughs> it's extremely too cold. If you ever get the chance, go to Google Maps mm-hmm. and find McMurdo Station Okay. in Antarctica and be amazed that there are stores... <laughs> And like coffee houses in fucking Antarctica. Who knew? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And I mean McMurdo Station. You everyone knows it. It's the it's the station from the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But like you go to Google Maps and it's like oh holy shit here's a little cafe. Huh. And what the fuck is going on here? And it's this weird. It just looks like God's chilly fist like punched a hole right (laughs) in the side of a fucking field of snow. And then all of a sudden, there's a Dollar General. Okay, there's no <laughs> Dollar General there. But you get the gist. There is a community down there. Wow. It is the just the weirdest thing to see in Google Maps. Hmm. Nothing, 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 nothing. A cafe. Yeah. That is so strange. Yeah, the Shackleton, uh, Ernest Shackleton's story is really, really interesting. Um, we don't have any, I don't know if there's any real crimes associated with him that we could get to, but it's interesting how he... Um, ended up really becoming famous for, I think, if I'm remembering correctly from a podcast I listened to, for not accomplishing his goal. <laughs> like, so, yeah, and the, the people who actually accomplished the goal, uh, let me say that again, the people who actually accomplished the goal are less famous. <laughs> so that was always, it was kind of a strange irony to me. If you're going to fail, fail gloriously. Yes. So uh, this Francis Shackleton, Vickers really thought it was him, but no no real charges ever brought up. He was close friends with Vickers. He lived with him for two and a half years. So he knew the guy. He knew his routine. He knew his routine with his scotch, you know, and leaving the keys around. And so and on July 4th, 1907, pfft. The jewels could have been actually stolen by this point. We don't know exactly when they were stolen. Not Vickers, but Shackleton said at a luncheon that he wouldn't be surprised if the jewels were stolen. Looks a little suspicious, Shackleton. Just a little bit. You can't always believe that. One time, (laughs) this this is no lie. It made me look like the guiltiest fuck in the world, right? I found a glorious piece of wood that I wanted to put on my lathe and turn 
into like slats for a chair, mm-hmm. right? It's this long branch of wood. It's about six feet long. It fell off of an oak tree in Mount Davis. And I go to my buddy's house and I go, look at this wonderful piece of wood. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Right. I go, I'm going to turn to slats for the chair. I'm going to get, and then I go, you want to take a walk and let's go for a walk through the, through the woods. Maybe we'll find some stuff. We ended up at his brother's house. Mm-hmm whose back window has been shattered by something on his truck, right? I'm the one that suggested to go for a walk. I'm the one with the blunt force trauma <laughs> weapon in the back of my car. And it's a thing where we called the police and the police said, yeah, probably somebody just took a piece of wood and went bam like oh, that because no. there's no rocks or anything inside <laughs> there. Like, ah. and just I'm just sitting around going like, everybody thinks it was me. So if we if we go with the possibility that it wasn't Shackleton, we can say you pulled a Shackleton. I pulled a Shackleton. <laughs> you pulled a Shackleton. I pulled a Shackleton. When you look really, really guilty, but maybe you aren't, you pulled a Shackleton. <laughs> so yeah, um, he the theory is that, of course, Vickers got drunk, as you could guess, and Shackleton and his accomplice... Captain Richard Gorgeous. 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 I'm going to go with Gorgeous. We're going to go with Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Captain Gorgeous. Who was, quote, a reckless bully, a robber, a murderer, a bugger, and a sod. End quote. From now on, you'll refer to me as Corporal Sexy Pants. (laughs) They, uh, they, They got him drunk, stole the keys, took the stuff, put the keys back, boom, done. Um, So, uh, Detective Kane, uh, insisted that Shackleton wasn't it. He's, he's like, it's not him. The commission's report that we, you know, that, that vice regal commission mm-hmm. deemed him innocent. And no one could even say if he was in Dublin when it, when the theft happened, it's, it's, it's uncertain whether he was there or whether he was even in the country. So skip forward to, uh, 1913. He is tossed in jail for 15 months for banking fraud. And I saw a couple of different versions of, what particularly this banking fraud consisted of, and my favorite is stole a check from a widow, so I'm running with it. That's the one I got. Gorgeous, uh, he ends up he ends up not in the best way either. Gorgeous is later found guilty of shooting a cop and gets 12 years, mm-hmm. and then then dies by being run over by a train in 1944. Yeah, he was 68 years old. That's a fucking bad way to that's go. That's rough. Yeah, that's not good. So, and then. Most okay. Here's the thing. Most sources that I looked at until today, when I was just doing some final research to make sure I had all the pieces together, most of them said that Shackleton, after he got out of jail, he just vanished, changed his name, vanished. Um, but then I found on History Ireland, Dr. David Murphy of the Royal Irish Academy, he wrote in uh, with the following description of the post-jail years of Francis Shackleton. Ooh, do tell. I'm just going to go ahead and read the quote exactly. On his release from prison, he assumed the surname Melor, and his brother, the Antarctic explorer Sir Ernest Shackleton, secured him a position in a London office. Little is known of what he did for the next few years. He was living in Sydenham in 1920, but by 1934, he had moved to Chichester, where he opened up an antique shop and also worked as a genealogist. He lived there with his unmarried sister, Amy Vibert Shackleton, for the rest of his life and died at St. Richard's Hospital on 24th of June, 1941. I would have really loved it if he would have become a jeweler. Yeah. Where, where, where well, is I'm he sure, getting? I'm 
sure with all those antiques, yeah. there was probably some jewels in there. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, where is he getting like all these wonderful? Look at this diamond; it's so clear. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing clarity. It seems to be of the first water. <laughs> oh my God! What does even that mean? I don't even know. Is this, is this Brazilian? Oh Brazilian diamond? Is, is it three hundred? Is there three hundred ninety-four stones in this? Wow! That sounds familiar. I don't know why. Incredible. What's this Latin bullshit mean? <laughs> so, in uh, 1968, we have journalist Bulmer Hobson, who had interviewed Gorgias in 1912, um, and Gorgias implied that he and Shackleton had been involved in the theft. He basically wrote that, exactly like everybody said, Shackleton and Gorgias got Vickers trashed, stole the gems... Uh, took them to Amsterdam and sold them for twenty thousand pounds. Although I saw different numbers in different places, but if it was twenty-seven thousand pounds, or sorry, twenty thousand pounds, it would be about two point six million USD uh, in twenty nineteen. And that the reason that the investigation got stomped on was because these two were gay, and there had already been uh, a big scandal with uh, homosexuality within the noble class years before, and basically they were trying to avoid a repeat of the situation. Yeah, the great, the, the great Dublin Castle homosexual scandal yes. is what it was dubbed. 1884, I believe. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, and Shackleton, later on, 1913, he was charged with defrauding gay Scottish noblemen Lord Ronald Gower of his fortune. Oh yeah, that's right. That was another one of his the, the banking fraud things that I saw. Yes. I couldn't I couldn't it's so it's so different. Well, wait. Maybe that could be the ch- stealing a check from a widow, maybe it was a widower. No, no, no. So No, like I said, the, my favorite of the of the, the, the different causes of his I banking see. fraud accusation were stole a check from a widow. Maybe that is the same thing. Defrauded him of his fortune. Does it say how he defrauded him of his fortune? From what I understood, from what I understood, in nineteen thirteen mm-hmm. he was charged but not he he wasn't found guilty of this. But the the check was 1914. We're going to edit this out. Okay. I have tossed in jail for 15 months in 1913, but I could have the years off. It doesn't really matter. It's yeah. like off by one year or so. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, and uh, do you have anything more on uh, Gorgeous and... It's so weird to say that. <laughs> Gorgeous and Shackleton. Oh my God, that sounds like a like a 1970s cop show. Yeah, it does. Like like buddy cops. <laughs> Gorgeous Go- and Shackleton. Gorgeous and Shackleton. Um, who would play Gorgeous and who would play Shackleton? I, I, Cary Grant is gorgeous. Yeah, I mean that's just generally true. And, absolutely. <laughs> and then I would say Boris Karloff as Shackleton. See, I wanted to have. Uh, you, you need that. You need that. Like you know that juxtaposition. I wanted a male-female duo, but oh, okay. the male is gorgeous. The male is so gorgeous. So it's that that unexpected aspect. Okay, so Cary Grant. Mm-hmm. And are we talking? We're talking. Cary Grant. I feel more fifties. Okay, so we want to go back a little bit further. No, no, I, I, I was saying buddy cop show of the seventies. Oh, okay. Of the se- well, actually, but I'm not as up on my seventies stars as I am on my fifty stars. Let's see. Was it? No, it wasn't. Cary Grant. It was Rock Hudson. Mm. Rock Hudson for the seventies because he was in Macmillan and Wife. Okay, all right. So I would say Rock Hudson, and for the nineteen seventies, who would you? Angie Dickinson. Farrah Fawcett. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. All right, we've, Fair, cast, we've cast our 1970s buddy cop show. There we go. Gorgeous and Shackleton. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, that's all I have on them. 
Um, and then we have Golden Eden, I think, uh, just left, and then random other theories that are kind of some of them hilarious. Go for it. Go um, for it. All right, so Gold, Francis Bennett Goldney. This is just a brief aside. He was the athlete. He was the athlone pursuit. No, I can't. Can you say it? I don't even know. I don't think I have gold knee because I would have giggled myself to sleep. The Athlone Perswivant? Perswivant? May I? Sure, yeah. It's right, uh, right there. Athlone Pursuivant? Yeah, right? Pursuivant at the castle? <laughs> Why do you make words that we can't say? See, see what I mean? <laughs> see what I mean about this? This is... Oh, he's... He's the Athlon Pursuivant. Which is basically just a junior officer of arms. Just call there, it that. There you go. Call it that. Junior officer of arms. And basically he had Assistant only... to the manager. <laughs> exactly. He had only been in that position for a couple of months, but people thought, oh, he doesn't have a motive. So he wasn't really considered too much for it. But then in 1918, he dies at age 53 in a car wreck in France. Again, we have another mm -hmm. death uh, not too long after... Um, and they find, when they go to his house, just a treasure trove of stolen crap. Oh, my God. Absolutely, yeah. He had the sticky fingers, and he had them bad, but no crown jewels. So that was, there was a moment when they were like, they made a connection. They were like, oh, wait, he was the athlone for <laughs> <laughs> at, uh, at, at Dublin Castle, so maybe we'll find the crown. No. Oh. So some other theories. Um, there were theories that the Irish Republican Brotherhood had stolen them and smuggled them to the U.S. I, I'd go with that. I like the one that the theft was arranged by the monarchy and the jewels form part of a badge that Queen Elizabeth II now wears, which features Indian diamonds. But this theory has been disputed by Buckingham Palace. But that would kind of crack me up if it was like, it's still like almost like hidden in plain sight. I, I could see that because I gave them the jewels. I'll take them back. Mm -hmm. And plus... Queen Elizabeth II, some people deny that she does this, but she commits warfare by wardrobe. Okay. She wears particular items that have particular meaning. And depending on, you know, sometimes their source who gave them to her, it can be a very... Because she can't really say anything. So it can be a very quiet kick in the face that the other party doesn't even feel. You know, depending on what brooch she's wearing or what tiara she chooses, you know, so... Did you uh, see the Queen today? She had a diamond brooch in the shape of the middle finger. Yes. I mean, essentially, it can, it can it is a bit of a middle finger to whoever she's, you know, like basically d warring with. But yeah, it's it's very, it's very, very under the radar. And it's fascinating to me. So yeah, we have that theory. Uh, there was a, similarly to that, a 2002 book posited stolen by unionists in order to embarrass the government and then secretly given back to the royal family, which I don't know why you would need. If you're going to steal something, just steal it, you know, like yeah. take it. Yeah. Um, the office where they were stolen from had this long running folklore that the jewels never really left. They never walked out that door. They were just hidden somewhere in the clock tower. I can see that. Like, Vickers gets drunk. And <laughs> just I just play them. I have a hide the secret myself. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, that would have been hilarious. So, in 1983, the clock tower was torn down because it wasn't really, it was pretty getting pretty riggedy. Now, remember, Bedford Tower that we talked about at the beginning of this, that's the clock yeah, tower. Yeah, that's the clock tower. And uh, the Chief Herald kept a close eye on, on the work when they were tearing things down, tearing up floorboards and walls and stuff, and the jewels did not turn up. 
So some stuff that happened in later years. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we also have uh, Lord Haddo. Oh, okay. You want to talk about Lord Haddo? Yeah, just uh, just because of the name, mm-hmm. Lord Haddo. <laughs> if I might correct that he was the Viceroy's son. Yes. He was the one who stole the jewels and then mailed them back. Right. Lord Haddo was blamed for the involvement by some newspapers. But, yeah, he was in Great Britain the entire time. I just want to mention Lord Haddo because it sounds like a <laughs> Star Wars character. It does. It sounds like either that or a brand of tuna. I don't know why. Now the, the, yeah, Lord Haddo brand tuna. It's crumb-delicious. <laughs> Pat O'Brien, the, the MP... He blamed loyal and unpatriotic unionist criminals. Yes, yes. (laughs) And uh, then a jeweler named James Weldon actually received a letter with very, very specific details about the jewels and their whereabouts and identified, um, James Weldon said the person who I met, the phrasing of this is weird, basically pointed the finger at Shackleton. 20 years later, he gets another letter uh, he brought that letter to President of Ireland at the time, W.T. Cosgrave, who said, quote, there are anyway, so we might as well have them, end quote. Notice I didn't even try an Irish accent. Mm-hmm. There was just a slight <laughs> something there. I was like, an I'm not going to... air of snootiness. Yes, exactly. I'm not going to try an Irish accent and embarrass myself. In 1974, the last night of the Order died. So they are no more, no more Order of St. Patrick. In 1983, I think it's pronounced Garda, or is it Jarda? I'll go with Garda. Garda, yeah, which is basically Irish cops, got an anonymous tip, and they went searching in the Dublin mountains using dogs and metal detectors. And guess what they found? Nothing. Not a damn thing. Jack shit. Probably some quarters or something. I mean, enough to buy a soda on the way back to town. Yes. Now, Okay. Here we go. Here it comes. Here it comes. In 1998, there was an article about Michael Murphy. Now, he is a nephew of Vickers Vallett. Um, Also, Michael Murphy. Yes, another Michael Murphy. Um, And he said he'd found the hiding place for the jewels at uh, a certain location. And I will tell you in a moment. Kilmorna House. I will tell you in a moment. I wanted to save it for a reveal. I'm sorry. (laughs) We'll we'll get there. Never mind. He found the jewels, but that someone had already found them first. An informant with an English accent told him to go to this particular garden. He found a stone with a Latin inscription behind a wall. And he says he thinks... That the jewels were taken from a box attached to the stone. I could not find this phrase any way that wasn't confusing and does not... He thinks the jewels were taken from a box attached to the stone. Is the box still there or not? Or is he just supposing that there was a box attached to the stone? I can't figure that out. And it dri- it's driving me absolutely crazy. Whether it, it's, it's- it took me forever just to find out what the fucking inscription was. Yeah, we'll get there. That's that's a fun one, too. Yeah. Um. So, and there was also... Uh, a part of an old map, some other documents that were looted from this location that seemed to point um, towards this particular location in the garden. Murphy has never released these. The informant, when he talked to Murphy, said, it's all over. The evidence is there on the ground for you to see. Now, this was at, I told you to keep in your head, Kilmorna House, mm-hmm. which I believe from the property records I could find was owned by the Mahoney's, and they allowed 
Vickers to live there after his downfall until his death. Ah. The inscription. This is this is it. Here it is. The inscription on this stone that may or may not have a box attached to it. Unclear phrasing. Why why do we not have a picture of this fucking box? We don't have anything. He's, or he's the just, stone. It, yeah, this could all just be a story he's telling. Yeah. We don't know. The inscription is Caso Finita Est. The cause is finished. Bracketed with two lion's heads. Mm-hmm. What is the what do the lion's heads mean? I have no idea. They've got there's, there's got to be some meaning there. They've got to be symbolic of something. I guess kind of of royalty. You know, maybe. king of the jungle, royal jewels. Or maybe it's supposed crown. to point to a particular organization that has lion's heads, or a particular person who has like a lion's head on their coat of arms. Maybe possibly it has to mean something. It has to point in some direction. I don't think you go to all this trouble uh, without things, you know, everything you do having meaning. So the fact that they're found at Kilmorna House is definitely suspicious. We have not one, but two of the principal people that fingers were pointed at who owned and or lived there. And yes, sure, somebody could place this box and stone there in order to sort of, you know, like sort of set somebody up. But then... They never did anything about it during, you know, the lifetime of, of the, the people who, you know, Vickers and Mahoney. So, yeah, it's all very mysterious. It's, uh, but that is the uh, the case of the theft of the Irish crown jewels that were neither Irish nor crown jewels. Yes. Now, <laughs> I want to throw in a little bit of a fun fact here. Absolutely. We're talking about some real crown jewels. This is like a super tiny crimey. The actual English crown jewels. They were almost stolen by a Captain Thomas Blood in 1671. Now, a lot of people think, oh my God, if they ever found out who did this, execution, prison, all depends. King Charles II was so impressed with the audacity of the whole affair. He went, you ballsy motherfuckers (laughs) tried to steal my shit. I like you guys. Uh, everyone gets released, except for you, Thomas Blood. You get a pension of 500 pounds a year, (laughs) which equals $114,685 today. Wow. Right. And he got a place with the king's bodyguards. (laughs) So it's pretty cool. Yeah. It doesn't always mean bad things. If you're suave enough, if you're charismatic enough that's right charismatic not charismatic charismatic enough if you're charismatic enough by god almighty you can get away with this shit i do believe that there is a fantastic episode of noble blood about charles ii and yeah he was quite something i'm looking it up right now noble blood has been so so good i wish it came out more frequently it's the desperate young king charles the second it is just a really good episode um it's 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 fun so see i would recommend that to anyone but but yeah that's 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 fascinating i love that that seems from what i know about charles the second that sounds right that sounds exactly right yeah so i i'd love to i hope that's what they were planning was no we're gonna try this it's a win-win situation (laughs) no matter what because either we're gonna steal the the english crown jewels or he's just going to be fucking impressed. <laughs> More people need to be like that. Yeah, really. Yeah. 
So, yeah, that's that, I guess. Yeah, um... Uh, you know, if if you have any idea of where the crown jewels are, give us a call one eight hundred old timey crimey. <laughs> yeah, that's not actually our number, but call it and find out what happens. Yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting. I like to think we could get like the unsolved uh, mysteries theme music playing. Oh well. yeah, because if they did, if they did an episode of the on the Irish crown jewels, you guarantee if you know where the jewels are, call one eight hundred five five. No one fucking knows. <laughs> no one. I just, I picture like some guy sitting there in, in Ireland going like, this is Robert Stock, he's a bunch of, and he looks over to like his five-year-old daughter playing with the grandma's drawing. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, so, um, what you up to this weekend? Working, 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 mm. but that's okay. That's okay. Saturday, I'm going to uh, go to a very nice dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Christy has invited me over for for Christmassy dinner. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to have the family Christmas. My uh, various uh, relations are coming into town. And then we have also family friends coming, of which you are one. So so Scott's going to come to our Christmas dinner and have some of my turkey. Now, we prepare the turkey very awesomely. No. I'm not going to have any turkey. Okay, all right. I won't turkey have makes me vomit. Oh, then don't have turkey. Absolutely yeah. not. Don't have turkey. We'll have lots of other stuff you can have. Turkey, so. duck, chicken, any bird, for whatever wow. reason, turns my stomach. I did not know that. Yeah. It's interesting. Absolutely turns hmm. my stomach. And there are certain things I can get away with. Uh, for example, um, like vegetarian chicken. Mm-hmm. Yes, they make vegetarian chicken. Love vegetarian chicken. Every once in a while, Long John Silver's chicken, I can stomach, not really enjoy, but if there's nothing else around, I can stomach it. But other than that, no, it is now, just... Are you, you going to be able to be around the turkey? Uh, I can be around it. Okay. But yeah, it's... Uh, Thanksgiving's never been a good holiday <laughs> for me. <laughs> Imagine not. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't even know. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. That's okay. Once again, it's one of those things I don't broadcast it to the world. I'm, you know, if there's turkey, f- then fuck it, I'll suck it up. You know, I'm not a puss. It's it's just turkey. It's a dead bird lying there. I'm fine with it. Just don't make me put it in my mouth. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what are you up to this week? Uh, well, pretty much that. Uh, yeah, there we go. Cleaning and then cooking and then family and food and stuff like that. The three S: family, food, and French toast. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so okay. Uh, that has been our show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review us on whatever platform you are. If you can do so, uh, subscribe, follow, all that fun stuff. Yeah, those five star reviews and and you know just just. Put something in there. Tell us what you think of our latest episode or, or something like that. You know, you don't really have to go into great detail, although we do love compliments. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just real simple. Just log into that iTunes and, and do it up, and we would really, really appreciate it. And uh, uh, some other things you can do to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash oldtimeycrimey, where we have more bonus episodes like the ones we released uh, recently over Christmas week. And you can also uh, become a private dick if you want, uh, or other different levels of membership. Uh, you can go to uh, PayPal and send us even send us a dollar to uh, oldtimeycrimey at PayPal. Nope, sorry, to oldtimeycrimey at gmail.com. 
our Amazon wish list of books that we would like to get into. If you want to pick one and we'll do a deep dive for you. That is available. Uh, it's in a link tree on all of our social media pretty much. And that is Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, and Instagram. So yeah, I think I hit all the uh, all the notes there. I think you got them. Yeah, it helps to have them. them all written down. There it is. <laughs> Definitely helps. So, so yeah, that's been it for this week. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We had a great time, and we hope you did too. And you know, like maybe check your attic, just see if there's some jewels up there. You know what? I bet they're in a gumball machine someplace in Ireland. Yeah. Just waiting, waiting for the first quarter to hit. Surrounded by very stale gumballs. I'd like to think like somebody puts a quarter and gets the first Irish crown jewel and it's like, holy shit, hand me more quarters. <laughs> and they can see it inside that little plastic ball. Yeah. And like, oh God, let it be this one. <laughs> so many quarters thrown into that thing. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we will see you next week. Bye. See ya. My sources for this week are an article from Irish Central, uh, Dublin Castle, Wikipedia, of course, History Island, an article by David Murphy on History Ireland as well, also. Uh, Jennifer Duffy on the Dublin Castle website. My sources for this week are wikipedia.org, historyireland.com, irishcentral.com, thedailybeast.com, and uwyo.edu. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> Oi! <laughs>